Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Inman, sitting next to my co-host, Chris Brito. Chris, I'm fired up to talk about the NBA season being underway. We'll discuss some early league action, plus Knicks Nets later in the show. We'll also make our award season predictions, but first, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Steve. I'm happy to be here on another show. This day couldn't come, this week, I should say, couldn't come soon enough, Um, you know, you know, after the summer league games and even after the NBA finals, you know, you go through that drought where there's like no NBA games and you're hungry for it, right? Preseason kind of gets to fix separate summer league games also too, mm. but it's just not the same when like the games matter. And having basketball back again, I'm just like reinvigorated again by why, how much I love the sport and all that stuff. Um, a lot of headlines to get through today, um, you know, obviously like... Um, LeBron made his debut with the Lakers. The Knicks scored one, more one hundred and twenty nine points. Was it against the Hawks? You know, Let, let's and, start there. I let's, mean, let's start with the Knicks. Um, right. I'm really excited about them because it's not just a win. It's to me they're changing the culture around MSG around the Knicks, and I'll tell you why. You know, basically last year they averaged twenty three threes a game. Okay. Chris, you and I are smart guys. We both know the NBA is becoming a three-point shooting league, right? Yeah. Last year, they averaged 23 a game last year, 29th in basketball. First game of the season, they they took 34 threes. So they're clearly they're, starting they're, to get it. Right. They're starting to get it, and it's, it's such a huge thing going forward, not just because of free agents and what they'll think, but again – they can just be better just by doing the correct plays, Chris. Right, and not only that, like you, you saw the team. I mean, granted, the competition wasn't great, but the defense <laughs> or good. The defensive, the defensive, the defensive um, intensity out there was present, and I'm like, it was wow. Okay, this team is a team that you know maybe, maybe they won't score a lot. Maybe they won't do the things that you know they would if they had more talent, but. The intensity is there, and I think that's something to look forward to for the rest of the season, considering how young these players are. The Knicks are the youngest team in the NBA, Steve, and I think that's one of the the most encouraging things to see from a team like this. Was like, there any to perform to perform like that out of the gate? Was there any one guy who really stood out to you who played well? Um, actually, I really like Alonzo Alonzo Trier, um, the, our boy out of Arizona. Um, he, you know, for a guy who went undrafted, for a guy who's on a two-way contract, it seemed like he he was playing with a chip on his shoulder. And you could make the case that he also outplayed uh, Kevin Knox, too. Um, Trier had, what, 15 points? Um, he dished out some assists, too. And he just had, he just commanded the presence there on the NBA floor. Like, I deserve to be here. And that's what kind of, like, stuck with me. Um, and I think the problem now becomes with the Knicks where like, if he keeps performing like this, you may want to lock him up for one or two years on a normal NBA contract as opposed to a two way where they have a chance to defer him down the league. So I think the Knicks should be smart about this and like sign him, sign him to a better contract. I think that's a smart idea, Chris. And again, the Knicks are getting smarter. So there's a chance they could do that. The guy for me was uh, Mario Hazonia, who uh, really had a bad preseason, okay? And again, we don't really look at preseason numbers too much, but he was lighting up the garden, especially late in that fourth quarter. 
you know, hitting long range threes. He really impressed me. And uh, let's not forget about what's one of the veterans on this team now, Chris, Tim Hardaway Jr., who had a really big game. Oh, right. He was the primary scorer, and uh, they're going to need him to continue that with no poor Zingas. And, you know, there's not a whole lot out. Courtney Lee's out right now, so they're going to miss his scoring. So Tim Hardaway is going to have to be the number one guy in this offense. And so far, he's he's taken that torch and done it well. Um, but as in with all things with, with Tim Hardaway, it's him maintaining this. But the encouraging thing was his, was his shot selection, right? Where he initially he he jacked up a lot of you know not the best jumpers, but once he got hot, he realized like you know I need to take better shots. That's the next step of growth with him. And you can argue he's like he could be a most improved candidate too if he keeps this up. Definitely. Uh, I want to go around the league, Chris. There was two games that really jumped out at me. Uh, let's talk about the first one. I was thinking first Lakers Blazers LeBron's debut. He's down in Portland at the Rose Garden, and the Lakers led by Lillard. And yes, Sauce Castillo, as we expected. I love that name. Winded up uh, winning 128-119. Uh, they look great. And again, the Lakers in the – like LeBron in the West is going to have tough matchups like this all year round. Where the Blazers, who could finish anywhere from 3 to, to 10 in the West, you know, would probably be a top 2-3 seed in the East for sure. You're going to get these games, Chris, and they're, they're yeah. not going to be easy. So uh, they, they wind up losing the game of 128 points. What will be a successful season for LeBron and the Lakers? I think considering how competitive the West is, I think you making the playoffs in itself is an accomplishment. Um, it, 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 especially if it'd be, they'd be exceeding expectations, actually, if they get a top four seed. Will that happen? I don't know. There is talent, not a lot of talent around LeBron. Um, you have to also consider the gelling issue, the you know the the chemistry around the team and like the lack of experience that they have, as 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 currently built. Um, that that for me is what I think will will make the season a success for them. Not making it, that'd be a that'd be a shame for the Lakers and the NBA. For for me, the the goal of the season, it, yes, it's obvious they'll make the playoffs, but they have to see improvements from some of these young guys, right? Is Lonzo Ball the point guard? for the next couple years on this team? I think you would think yes, but it's not for sure. Brandon Ingram, can he become a number two option? Or will that be Kyle Kuzma? Or will that be somebody who's playing on their team there's, right now? There's no clear number two, really. Not right now. No. Nope. So they got to figure that out. And I think those are all things they could find out in the next upcoming months. It's going to be a lot of fun to see. Also, you know, let's not bury the Blazers. I think everyone in the media has been burying the Portland Trail Blazers because of their horrible playoff exit last year, saying Lillard and McCollum are too similar. They can't play together. You know, they got swept out by Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. And you know what? This is a solid squad who, you know, maybe Lillard takes another step forward and becomes an MVP candidate, and they can become a top three seed. I don't see why they couldn't. You know what? I've learned that when and when you doubt someone like like Damian Lillard, um, he always finds a way to prove you wrong. And this wouldn't surprise me that if he has a, a crazy season, everybody kind of sat and look where we are now. Um, look at even last year, like nobody really picked the Portland Trailblazers to be a top four seed, and look at them. I think they could do it again. They could. They perfectly could. And then um, clean out but, the second round. But, but, right. But speaking of 
the Pelicans, the Pelicans for me were was the the the, the score I, the game versus the the Pelicans and the Houston Rockets for me, I think shows that um, it shows that Anthony Davis and his team are 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 forced to be reckoned with now. I think before we kind of thought them as ah yeah they're good they're pretty good, but I think Anthony Davis is going to have an MVP season this year, and he will lead them to either a top two or top three seed this year. Wow! Wow! I think I think this so. Right now, you see a team that's more balanced and balanced and spaced out, and I think you can't in in, a, in an NBA where spacing is key, and not many people have a player like Anthony Davis in the middle. Who can guard Anthony Davis? No, I think it's a great point. And but um, the thing is, no one could guard Anthony Davis the last couple years. It's always been who is around him. And and look at Clint Capella. He couldn't even like contain Davis. So. And you can argue that Clint Capella is one of the better defensive centers in the league. So who can if if he can't sub him, who can? I don't think anybody can. The question so, is, does he get more around him than he has in the past? He has. He definitely has more around him now, and that's the most encouraging thing. Um, right. He, last year he did have Boogie Cousins for a while, but we knew that was an experiment that wasn't going to last long anyway. Um, it's interesting to see like how far they can go. Um, they've added a little more depth. They've added Elfrey Payton. They've added um, Julius Randle, which I think will, in the end, will make this team a lot better. Especially so, with that second unit with Randle. Right. That, that's going to help them a lot, add to that depth. Because again, like I said before, it, it has been Davis and others. Now it's more of a full team around Davis. And I wouldn't be surprised that if... at, at at the trade that trade deadline, that they make another sort of acquisition to to make them even even bolster their team. Could use another shooter for yeah. sure. Uh, the other game I wanted to bring up was uh, the Spurs and the Wolves, and obviously we've been talking a lot of Wolves the last two shows, um, and basically they could have went in two directions in mm-hmm. this game. One was. They pretended all the stuff never happened in the summer, and they went move forward uh, with a with a full squad. Or what happened on Wednesday, which was Towns looked lost. He fouled out in 22 mm-hmm. minutes. He had eight points, and they lost a close game at home to San Antonio. And Chris, they don't look good. You know they're going to have to do something. And you kind of hoped, or at least the T Wolves hoped that. All this stuff would go away once games actually started, and that has not been the case, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the wolf situation seems like it's an implosion waiting. I mean, if if they haven't already imploded, um, they're definitely on their way to. Um, here's the thing, man. Like you can't you can't have someone who's openly berating the other players. You know, someone who had such a Someone who has such an influence on the team already now, turning against and turning out turning against the other younger players like Towns and like Wiggins, Towns, Towns has to step up. He's supposed to be the leader of the team, and look at him now. So I'm I'm kind of shocked to see the way that he reacted. Also, we should probably give this person credit too. 
We should definitely sure, give this so. person some credit. And you know what? DeMar DeRozan, we, we wondered how he'd react being in that new environment. He seems like the perfect spur. He's doing what he's always done. He had, he had 28 in this game, and I think San Antonio fans are going to love him. He's a... What's that to love, you know? No, low-maintenance superstar who is going to be able to balance his attack. You know, they still have Aldridge, who played well in this game. You know, he also had 21 points. And, you know... Those two guys are going to lead the new Spurs. You know, no more Tony Parker, no more Manu. You know, it's like the middle aged no, Spurs now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, obviously Leonard's in, in Toronto, so this is a brand new team, and uh, I'm very curious to see where they go. And I don't expect them to rebuild here. I think this is going to be another mid 40s, low 50s season. And you know what? I think I was quick to discount the Spurs. You can never discount Spurs. No, you cannot. That's the biggest mistake you can make. Um, I'm curious to see how the point guard situation will will affect them later on. Even though I know Patty Mills was like pretty much the starter for most of last year, anyway. Um, but you can't count out, you know, Murray's defensive intensity. So we'll see where we go from there. Um, really quickly, let's go back to a topic that's very close and dear to us: the Knicks. Um, they play the Nets on Friday night, um, and I think it's worth revisiting. We usually actually do this like once once a year um, at the bar or whatever. But like, which future would you rather have right now? I I think I'd rather have the Knicks' future, Chris. I think Perry and Fisdale. I believe in them, Chris. I believe they can do the job, and I believe that they're smart enough guys where they can keep Dolan at bay. They have they, the difference between the Knicks and the Nets right now is Porzingis. You know they have a superstar who's going to come back at some point, and the Nets don't have that. Chris, we kind of thought D'Angelo Russell could be one of the faces of the franchise, and and in the first game of the season on Wednesday, they bench him for the entire fourth quarter because and for who? For Spencer Dinwiddie because yeah. they have believed for months now that Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell cannot play in the same backcourt. So Dinwiddie had the hot hand. They benched Russell, and to me, Chris, you're, if you plan on paying your paying him, they declined his. You know, they declined his rookie extension, right? Mm-hmm. If you planned on giving him big money, you would want to see him in big games like this because you're not expecting to make the playoffs. But no, they gave the they gave the ball to Dinwiddie, and I'm really curious what Russell's future is in Brooklyn. Well. We were talking about this, you know, um, before the pot we were recording the podcast, and I think it's worth revisiting. So, given the choice, are you would you sign Dinwiddie or would you sign Russell? I mean, it obviously depends on the money, but I think I'd rather go Russell because he's got more of an upside, as you said before the show. But basically, right. Dinwiddie looks like a nice player who. At the same time, improved so much last year. What if he has another step up to play devil's advocate? What if he has another uh, notch in his in his belt to go up and See, he can become a sixteen point guy? So here's the thing with me with with Spencer Dinwiddie. He's not your. He, he's making these jumps in in stats because he holds the ball a lot. He has. But so does Russell. Right, and they're like both. As you're as you're saying, you're, it speaks to your point that like they can't play with each other because they're the basically a similar type of player. 
one is more of a facilitator, the other one's more of a scorer. I think it depends disguises... partly on what's around these guys for in, sure. in the summer. For sure. And um I agree with you. I think I think you do pay someone like Russell. Dinwiddie for me has always been kind of like a placeholder. But we're both in the agreement that both of them together are not the Nets future. For sure. For sure. I think and that I think and that speaks to the bigger picture here, right? That the Nets are pretty much throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. For sure. And that's like what they the should old, be doing right the now. Old, the, right. I agree. And they, don't, they didn't have draft picks before this year, so just collecting as many assets and, as you can. I don't think they have do. one. No, no, they do have one. They do have this next this year. year. Oh, this is, wow, good for them. This huh? is the first year they have that's them back. That's so sad. Yes. Um, and, and you compare that with the Knicks, who, like we, we said, are the youngest team in the NBA. I feel like that's such a... Not, not that you deserve a sticker for it, but hey, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Like considering the talent that we have, we have Porzingis, who's who's you know he's injured now, but we have that. We have Knox. We have Nilakina. The Nets don't seem to have as much, and they have more questions. Right. So like questions. the only thing that they have really is Jared Allen. I like him I, a lot. I like him too, but. Do you really want to start off your franchise with a with a? It's a he's a piece. He's I understand. a piece. He's a, I understand he's a piece. But do you really want to start your team with well, a, not, with the not, center first? They're not starting with him. They just happen to have him first. You know okay. They're not building around Jared Allen. That's he's, true. That's he's true. He's a piece. That That's true. They use. The I guess what around. I'm trying to say is that if you're starting out a team and he's just so happens to be a piece, does that really give you a lot of confidence in their future? That that's like. That's the guy that he you, you want in your future. And you know like, what? I trust Sean Marks. I think Sean Marks. I think Sean Marks has been getting way too much credit than why? he deserves. He came in in the biggest mess in the NBA. It's well the biggest mess. They has, didn't have draft picks what, without any talent to trade away, so they couldn't add draft picks by trading away. Wet you know bets. what? I will say this: I like Karis LeVert. So he he's found some nice little finds, and he's going. I'll give him that. He's going to that's have all, draft that's picks. Literally, all I'm giving him. He's going to have draft picks going forward. So basically, if, you know, let's say they get the sixth pick in the draft this year, he's going to have to hit on those picks, right? He's going to have to hit on those picks. And yeah. if he doesn't, then we can shred him. But for now. That's true. I he, think the drafting he, the drafting part is like part of like evaluating him as a GM. He has not had vets to trade away, and he has not had draft picks to make. So he really has had very little to do in the last very two years, right? So I'm not going to basically say how wonderful he is or i'm not going to say how well, bad he is because we haven't really seen you know him well, do any heavy lifting yet when you started talking about him it's not like you were praising him i think just, I, 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 I like i feel him. like i, think he can I feel like scott perry with much less time has done a lot more in 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 terms of the in terms right, of looking the, at the future and i know the knicks had a much cleaner slate but not by much because remember I wouldn't he, say they had a cleaner slate. I said I would say the Knicks had more on their plate. And what I mean by that is they had a disgruntled vet in Carmelo they had to move. They made a decent trade to get him off their books, right? And the they Nets did. did not have a guy like that to move. You know, the Knicks had draft picks. They they drafted Kevin Knox. Whether Kevin Knox is a is a star or a role player or nothing remains to be seen. Yeah. But the Nets have not had a top ten pick under Sean Marks. They've not had an opportunity to make a good or bad pick. The Knicks have had that. So we, we've had more to work with with Perry because we've seen him do more because they've had more to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, everything that you're saying makes sense. I'm not, I'm I not disagreeing both, with you. Both I just, teams I don't, have bright I, futures. I, 
If their Ooh. owners don't get in the way, I think both I mean, teams have I mean, you could say that about anybody, not just the Knicks and Nets. But I think the heavy lifting is pretty much out of the way in terms of the Nets waiting out these horrible no-draft-pick years and the Knicks waiting out a lot of terrible contracts. You know, I think now they're moving in the right direction. I'm just going to end it in saying that Sean Marks is not a miracle worker here. I think he has done what he's what he can with yes. what he's had. And I think we and will I, see. Whereas Scott Perry, I think, has actually, like, you know, taken risks with players that, you know, like the Noah Vonleys, like the Maria, the Marios Jonas, like, the Nets could have made those deals too. But the I'm, Nets have made those deals. They, they got they got D'Angelo Russell in a, basically in a salary dump to take on Mozgov's deal. And they got and Spencer. Lopez. They got Spencer. Well, I mean, Brooke Did Lopez. They traded yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie was basically, you know, a diamond in the rough. They found him out of nowhere. He was a candy for most improved last year. Fine, fine. Okay. They, they found some guys, right? They have done that. Jared Allen was a late first round pick. Oh, congrats. They, congrats. They found NBA players to start. That's good. That's what the Knicks, but we were saying the same thing I with know, the Knicks. I know, I know. Uh, okay. A couple rapid-fire questions. Let's move on from that real quick. Let's do it. Who has the better record at the end of the year, the Knicks or the Nets? I Nets. I'm going to say Knicks. I don't think the Nets are that good, and now that they finally have a reason to tank, I think they're going to. Fair, but the Knicks also have a reason to tank. Okay, what will be the most successful... How would this be a successful season for both these teams? What would be the like, number one thing? It. You gotta look at it for different prisms, but I think if I'm a GM, secretly I want the Knicks to tank as much and like get a good draft pick, get one of the Duke guys. I I'm definitely with you on that. For me, it's about these young players developing. The Knicks, most important thing they can do this year is Kevin Knox averages 17 a game and plays okay defense. And the most important thing for the Nets is Jared Allen continues to develop, as we've seen so far in the last year plus. Let's move on. And Karis LeVert too. I'm a huge fan of his. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. He's a guy who can play a lot of different positions, and he's a guy who uh, probably deserves to get paid. Uh, let's do our season awards really quick, rapid fire. Basically, uh, we're going to go over our top five awards and say what we think in, you know, basically after one game, our small sample size theater. First, let's do MVP. I'm going to go Giannis. I think him with Budenholzer is going to basically unlock a super version of Giannis. I think he's going to have his best season. Bledsoe and Middleton in the first game both look like excellent sidekicks for him. And I think we're going to see the best season of Giannis of his career. And I think he is going to win his MVP. Um, I think Giannis is a great pick. I, I'm actually going to... I was mulling over Giannis, but I think Anthony Davis, this will be his year to get the MVP. Um, I, I think he's primed for it. I think if, if Anthony Davis and the Pelicans finish top three... Um, there's a high chance that he will win the MVP award. I'm in the belief that East and West should both have their own MVPs. You know, in like, baseball, like National baseball. League, American League, we could both be That's right fair. here, Chris, if they if That's they fair. follow that. I think in that case, I think you're, you're right, Steve. I think you're right too, Chris. Uh, let's go to Rookie of the Year. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, to me, I'm, I, it seems like a little bit of a cop-out taking the number one pick, but Chris, he looked fantastic in he their did. first game against the Mavs. Had a double-double. Looked, looked good as uh, him and, and uh, Booker, you know, really look like they can turn things around in Phoenix. We'll get to more of that in a little bit. But d- to me, DeAndre Ayton uh, is the clear-cut favorite for Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. He looks like a guy who can almost average a triple-double. 
Um, I like your pick too. Um, I'm just gonna go slightly different, only because I feel like his game will translate more so than um, than Aiton. Um, I like Luka Doncic. Um, he has an uncanny passing ability. I think he won't light up the floor, maybe scoring all the time, but I think that the league will take notice of his passing skills, and I think that he'll improve the Mavericks as a team. And I think that'll be a, a huge indicator of of how good he is, like how he makes everybody else around him better. Um, I also think there, there will, there's not a player like him. Like, I saw him run the floor the other night, and I'm like, wow, he's like a gazelle who, like, you know, just he's – He's going to be a great player, and I'm excited to see what happens. I think he's going to be—he's going to be—he's my Royal pick for the year. Love it. Let's go to most improved. I'm going with Jason Tatum, who, believe it or not, we—we we were discussing this before the show, and I said maybe he can go from 17 points to 25 points, 24 points or so. But Chris, he averaged 13.8 points a game last that's year. That's wild. I think he's going to average 20 plus. I think that's an easy one for me. Most improved, Jason Tatum. They're clearly letting him be the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Down the stretch in the first game of the season against the Sixers, I think he averages twenty plus and wins Most Improved Player of the Year. Um, I, I'm not completely against that. I I just think that there's just so much scoring to go around on that team that he won't get to average that much, and then therefore he won't have enough of a look at the Most Improved Position uh, prize. I I'm gonna go with Andrew Wiggins. I think that at some point Butler will get traded, and he will probably fill that void, and then just by default of of having more minutes, more more touches with the ball, he'll improve his scoring t- his scoring averages. And what do you think he can average? Um, I think he'll probably average nineteen to twenty two points around there. Um, and if the Timberwolves sneak into the playoffs as an eighth seed, I don't see why not. Let's uh, let's move on. Coach of the year, Chris. Uh, I'm very drunk on the first game of the year, small sample size, and I watched Phoenix play Dallas. And the way Igor, the new coach, was running their offense, spacing the floor, Trevor Ariza, who we call basically a buyout candidate before the season, mm-hmm. looked like the perfect fit for them, and they basically spread the floor so well. And I think they're going to have a huge jump in wins I'm going to say right now I think they have one of the biggest jumps in the NBA and wins. Does that result in the playoffs? I don't think so, but I think they're a borderline 40-win team right now the way they look. And Chris, Igor looked great. I think with the mess they had, the GM getting fired eight days before the season, they fired their coach last year three days into the season. I think this is such a step forward. I think Igor gets the coach of the year. Devin Booker takes another step forward. Aiden wins rookie of the year. And it's going to be a very improved season down in the desert. Um, I I'm a huge fan of the pick you made. Not only is it is it bold, I think it's completely plausible, um, considering how they played the other night. Um, you also have to realize that the Mavs aren't the best team either. But I think it's worth I. So basically, they have nowhere else to go but up. Yes. And. If somehow this team pulls off a, a 15 to 20 win difference, I think automatically your coach becomes a candidate for for most for coach of the year. So kudos on that pick. Um, I'm going to go with um, a similar line of thinking that you had before with, with Giannis. I think if Giannis has as good a season as you think and the Bucks 
somehow land a seed between one and three, I think Budenholzer becomes the pick here. Um, they they probably won't go with Brad Stevens because he's ever, he won what he won. No, he, he was a candidate last year. Oh right, year. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. He was a candidate last year. Um, they ended up going. <laughs> they call them like nominees now. So like basically, they, like three nominees. That, that that ended up going to Dwayne Casey, who is not In, with not the Raps with that anymore. team. He's with Detroit. And I think the same could be applied to with Nick Nurse. Like if 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 he like somehow is a great if they're at the top of the East at the end of the year, that's completely possible too. Um, but I'm gonna go with Budenholzer here. I like that one a lot. Last one, six man of the year, Chris. To me, there's not a lot of candidates right now, so I'm going with a guy who I know is going to get a lot of minutes off the bench. He's won it already. He won it last year. It's Lou Williams, who is a fantastic sixth man, one of the best of all time, Chris. I'm going with him. I think he'll win his third award, which ties Jamal Crawford for the most ever. I think he is uh, going to get a lot of minutes on that on a pretty okay Clipper team, and he's mm-hmm. going to be one of those guys who's going to be relied on down the stretch to score. I think it's going to be Lou Williams. I... Um, I like your pick. I the committee has not been afraid of giving that award to several times to one person. Um, I think Lou Williams could win it. I'm a little disappointed that he's a six man again, but that's that's the role he shines in. Um, I'm gonna go with Carmelo Anthony. I know this could go either way in, in either direction. I think it could probably not end up being the guy only because of his defensive liabilities. I mean, the six-man um, year thing is more for scoring. Right. So that's how I look at it. And I think that if Carmelo averages anywhere between 15, 15 to, to 18 points, I don't think he'll get up to 18 points. 15 points would probably be like the most he'll probably make. But that being said, he's being placed in a position where he just needs to fucking catch and shoot. So I think that it's it's... It's completely plausible for him to win this. Um, it's really just a matter of like making those shots. Chris, I've agreed with you on a lot of these candidates, but to me, I think there's a better chance Carmelo gets bought out than win six man of the year. I agree. That's why I think there's like two sides of the spectrum to this. Like he can go, go either, either way. way. Okay. Um, and you know, Harden opens up things for for other players, and Carmelo Anthony really hasn't played with a facilitator like Harden or Chris Paul. Uh, the first game was not a great. Show for his, that. His first shot was a very long two, Chris. So, yeah, it's tough to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what Mike D'Antoni's thinking right now, but that's what it is. Um, let's go on to our final thoughts. Um, do you want to kick it off? Sure, I'll kick yeah. it off. Uh, the G League has, you know, been wrapping their head around how they can compete with the NCAA, and they have found a creative way where elite prospects. Starting next season, will be paid 125 grand and can hire agents to make them even more money. I think it's a good idea. I wonder if it's enough money to get top recruits who are getting money under the table, hush hush, from college teams. I wonder if that's enough money. We'll wait and see. And also, what is their criteria for elite prospects? All American McDonald's guys? Mm-hmm. Is it the four star recruit almost who? You know, is a borderline NBA guy. What is the criteria for that? So we'll wait and see. But also, and really you quick, want, yeah, go ahead. Really quick, this sounds a lot like what we talked about with the Big Baller League, which basically they just took to the G League, and we and people laughed that that will never work. And the the NBA basically took the idea for themselves. Right, and I and I 
I think this is the smart thing for the NBA to do, considering how corrupt the NCAA is. And we so do, corrupt. <laughs> we talk about this all the time in our group texts, but um, I think this is the right move. A lot of people who are bound for the NBA are people who are struggling. So I think of hey, if you can if you can make a if you can make a career not even going to college sometimes and make you do what you need to do for your for your life, right? Um, I think the more desperate players will probably go for that. Well, I mean, and see who's and, even and, eligible, right? Right. Who who's to know what the criteria is? And I think it's it'll be interesting to watch to see the players who do actually go because I think eventually that that number one twenty five k will be much higher in a few years. I think it should be. Um, that'll end up being a lot more, and then players will be like, "Screw school!" Like. But you also have to wonder for the the eight year vet who's in the G League making thirty grand a year. How does he feel about some eighteen year old coming in making four times what he makes? So pick that, a different career. To pick a different career. There you go. Uh, any other final thoughts from you, Chris? Um, something interesting to watch. Something that I I wondered only because I I love watching basketball and and I couldn't stay up for the Lakers game the other night. I had to watch highlights the day after. And I'm wondering how, you know, other people on the East Coast will, you know, manage with the later games that, you know, like people like LeBron play. So I think it's worth worth keeping an eye out to see, like, you know, maybe they move these West Coast games earlier. I don't know. The LeBron factor. We'll have to the wait LeBron, and see on right, that. Right, that's what it is, the LeBron factor. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, great show, Chris. I thought uh, there were some really good points there. That's going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week to discuss some more NBA action. Yes, guys. Uh, have a great week.